Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> everybody doing well? Good. Praise God. Vicki and I had a wonderful time on our trip this past week, and uh, we went down to the Gulf Coast and hung out for Vicki's birthday, and we had a great time. And one of the highlights of the trip was uh, we rode a ferry from, uh, I think it's Port Aransas to Aransas Pass. It's a ferry that you go across. And, and you know, I'm from up here in West Texas. I never, uh, I've ridden in a boat, but not with my car. And so, you know, so it's pretty cool, man. So, so we got to drive our car on there. And, and then, you know, when you get on, it just takes a few minutes to go across. It's not very wide. And so, of course, I want to get out of my car. And they, they said you could. And Vicky's saying, don't get out of the car. And I'm saying, I'm getting out of the car. And, and so, so I got out of the car. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, they don't do that up here much, you know. And so, and so I, I want to go over to the edge and look off the edge. And so I go through this door and and I'm looking over the edge, and there's these big wooden poles in the, of course, down in the, in the ground to, to guide the boat. And uh, the boat itself is rubbing up against these posts with rubber, and it's kind of pretty close, you know. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, man, that could be kind of dangerous. The person wouldn't want to get their hand down in there. And just as that thought went through my head, I heard somebody say, sir, sir, you're not supposed to be over there. And I busted big time. And, and, and to help you understand, you know, anytime we travel with Arthur and Ashley, Arthur's always saying that to me. Anytime we go anywhere, he always says, sir, sir. And uh, they always threaten to put a uh, shock collar on me, you know, to keep me out of trouble. Well, they're not there, so I'm in trouble. And so I, they said, you can't be in there. And they said, there's supposed to be a chain there, but there wasn't. So I didn't do anything wrong. So they yelled at me. Vicky yelled at me. And, uh, but other than that, we had a great time. Amen. And uh, I so appreciate the opportunity to be able to go. <clears throat> I got one more thing to tell you. We've been selling these little stickers for the windows, uh, and that's our church logo. And they're a dollar, okay? Well, today and today only, they're a quarter, okay? So they don't do us any good to have these at the red desk, amen? We want you to put them on your car, put them on your notebook, put them on your refrigerator, put them wherever you want to, but they're 25 cents today. So uh, for those of you, I'll help you with the math. That's four for a dollar. Isn't that good? Four for a dollar. Okay, so, <clears throat> so get those, amen? All right, I got one more thing I want us to do. Uh, starting in May, which is Friday, okay? Friday is May 1st. I'm going to start tomorrow, but you can wait till Friday if you want to. I want us to read the Sermon on the Mount. Now, let me explain to you what that is. In the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Okay, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. Those three chapters are a sermon that Jesus preached. Okay, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take the month of May, and each day I want you to read one of those chapters. So if you started on Monday, you'd read chapter 5. Then Tuesday, you'd read chapter 6. Wednesday, you'd read chapter 7. Then you will have read through the entire Sermon of the Mount. Then the next day, go back to chapter 5. And so each day, you would read one chapter. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you get home and think, what, what did pastor want me to read? All you have to do is Google Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew 5, 6, and 7 will come up. So here's what's going to happen. For the month of May, I'm going to read a chapter a day. And at the end of the month, I will have read the Sermon on the Mount about 10 times. All right, so I want us as a church, I've already told them in the early service to do it. I want us as a church to read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. Here's what I want you to do. Before you read it, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit this. Would you please show me what you want me to see in this? And would you direct me and would you guide me? And you will be ministered to and you'll be strengthened and encouraged. Amen? All right, so I want you to do that. Like I said, uh, Friday is uh, May 1st, but I'm going to start tomorrow, and I'm going to read it the whole month of May, okay? 
All right, I want to read to you this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, out of Matthew 28. I'm going to start reading with verse 18. And uh, before I read, let me pray. Father God, I thank you this morning. Lord, as we take time, we just take a few minutes here and we look into your word and we grow together in Christ that you would open our hearts. Father, my prayer is that every person here today has a tender heart to receive your truth. Father, I pray that the word of God would flood our hearts with light and that we would see who we are and we would see what belongs to us as your children. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. All right. Let me start this morning with Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there's a lot of truth in these verses, obviously. Uh, I could take any of these thoughts out of here, and we could teach on these verses probably for several weeks very easily. But I want to pull out one truth this morning and take just a few minutes this morning and, and encourage you in it. And here's what I want you to see. Jesus said for us to go and to make disciples of all nations. Now, a few weeks ago, I read these verses And I talked about how Jesus is our commander-in-chief and that as our commander, he's given us orders, if you will. We're the body of Christ. He's given us a directive on what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, and I called it the commander's intent. What does that mean? Well, when the army sends out a group of soldiers to fight in a battle and they engage the enemy, plans and things can change. And so what they've done in the military is they've given the guys in charge the ability to change things in battle. They don't have to strictly adhere to what's been said as long as they're fulfilling the intent of the commander. Okay, Jesus is our commander, and his intent is that we're winning people to Christ. Then, after we do that, we're discipling. Okay, that's what we're supposed to be doing at Toya Christian Fellowship, and we are doing it. And whether we're in Power Kids, whether we're in Ground Zero, whether we're in men's ministry, whether we're in women's ministry, whether we're doing a church picnic, whatever it is that we're doing, we are under the umbrella of doing what? Reaching people for Jesus Christ. So what I want to do with the time I have this morning is I'm going to show you some very simple, very powerful truth about what we're already doing and encouraging you in the area of discipleship. Let me read to you one more time. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, here's the first thing I want you to understand is what is a disciple. All right, here's a simple definition for the word disciple. It means student or follower. Okay, every one of you in this room is a disciple. You know how I know that? Because you're at church, and you're here, and you came, and you worshiped, and you prayed, and you gave in the offering, and you're listening to the Word of God being taught, and you are a follower or a student of Jesus Christ. If you weren't, you wouldn't be here. Now, I'm not saying that people are not here are not disciples. People could not be here for different reasons. But the very first truth I want to settle in your heart is you are a disciple, You don't have to do anything else to be one. You don't have to go through any kind of class to be one. You are one. If you consider yourself a Christian, if you consider Jesus to be your Savior, if you're here because you want more of God, then you are a student or a follower of Jesus Christ. All right, you're a disciple. 
Now, Jesus said, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, we're supposed to be discipling. Let me read it to you. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And regularly, we do water baptisms. We have one coming up. We're going to do one the 1st of June. We're having our annual church picnic out at Cedar Canyon. And I've had people ask me this morning about water baptism. And we're going to do a water baptism. Then he says, teach these disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I want to explain something to you this morning about discipleship. And it's very simple and very powerful. You know what's happening this morning? We're being discipled. It's not some special class you go to. It's not something you have to go do somewhere else. Now, it can happen somewhere else. It can happen anywhere. And I'm going to explain that to you in just a minute. But one of the things that's happening this morning is you and I are being discipled. I'm teaching the Word of God. You're hungry for God. You're a student of God. And we're discipling ourselves this morning. Are you with me? And it's not going to happen somewhere else. It's happening this morning. Now, I want to show you three simple things that are happening right now in this service. Here's the first one, which I just said. You and I are being discipled. Now, here's what's happened in church. And and I want you to understand something. Okay, lots of times people think, well, I have to go to a special class, and there's nothing wrong with special classes. Okay, we just got through doing a six-week series. Remember the book, Not a Fan? And we did a six-week series, and we met every Monday night. This past Monday was the last week of six weeks, and we gathered together, and we talked, and we watched a video, and we read Scripture, and we were discipled, and that happened there. But anytime you gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ, anytime you gather together with unbelievers and you talk about the things of God, discipleship is happening. Now, I want to use a word that's very simple and very powerful, and it's called organic. Now, I don't mean organic food, okay? What's organic? Organic means something that's living, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with structure in the church. I believe in structure in the church, and we should have it, and we do have it. But anytime you gather together and you talk about the things of God, that's an organic thing. It's natural. It can be supernatural, and discipleship is happening. If I meet you at the coffee shop with two or three other people, and we talk about the things of God, discipleship is happening. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we would go to my aunt and uncle's house. They lived in Amarillo. That's where I grew up. And they lived in what was called Pleasant Valley. And it was kind of out on the edge of Amarillo. It was my dad's sister and her husband and all my cousins. They had six children. Well, we would go out there, and they had a big chicken pen with chickens in it. And occasionally, they'd raise a hog and butcher it. And we had a horse, a Palomina horse named Tony, uh, that we would ride when we would go out there. Well, we would go out there, and it was in the country, and we would dig in the dirt, and we would ride horses, and we would chase chickens, and every once in a while, we'd catch one and baptize it. And uh, I got in big trouble one time when I was a kid because I baptized a chicken so much it died. Okay, well, I got in big trouble for baptizing that chicken too much. And so uh, I won't do that to you in June, okay? <laughs> I won't baptize you till you drown. But we would go out there and hang out. And my cousins and I would go outside, and we would spend hours out there playing. And while we were out there playing, the adults were in the kitchen drinking coffee and talking about the things of God. And they would talk about Jesus. They would argue. They would read Scripture. They would discuss. They would disagree. They would look at more Scripture. And they would talk about the things of God. And they would drink coffee, and they would literally do it for hours. And we would play and run. And if you ran in the house too much, you'd get in trouble. You know, I grew up in that generation where if you went through the house about twice, they grabbed you by your hair and took you back outside and said, don't come back in here again. 
Plus, my grandmother, my dad's mother, was Pentecostal. And so if you went through too much, she'd grab you and put you in a chair and put her hands on you and start talking in tongues. And we called it the hot seat. And we didn't want that to happen to us, so we stayed out of there, okay? And they didn't want us bugging them, okay? And they would read their Bibles, and, and they wouldn't read it like, you know, they would just talk. And you know how when you talk to people and they'd say, well, that's in the Bible. I know it's in there. Well, show me where it's at. And, and they would look for Scripture, and they would argue, and they would talk. And you know what was happening? They were discipling is what they were doing. They were discipling. Nobody scheduled a class. There was no curriculum. They were students. They were followers of Jesus. They were hungry for the things of God. And when they would get together, they would talk about it. Now, it wasn't the only thing they talked about, but what I want you to understand is what's happening right now this morning is discipleship. When you gather together with friends and family and you talk about the things of God, you talk about Jesus, discipleship is happening. Here's the second thing that's happening. You're being taught how to live. You're being taught. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that we're supposed to be teaching about how to obey what Jesus said. Every time you come to Tui Christian Fellowship, that happens. It happens in the Java Cafe before church. It happens in the Java Cafe after church. It happens across the street in the men's group. Anytime we meet, we're talking about the things of God, and we're learning how to walk with God. When you read your Bible, you're learning how to walk with God. You know what that means? You're being discipled. Here's the third thing that happens. The third thing is you experience life change. Listen, you cannot come to Tuya Christian Fellowship for very long and not be changed. If I were to go across this room this morning and ask you to raise your hand, if you've been touched by God, if you've been changed by Jesus Christ since you've been coming to Tuya Christian Fellowship, I would bet 80, 90% of you or more would raise your hands and say, I've been touched by Jesus. I've been changed. I've been ministered to. All right, life change is happening here. See, one of the criticisms about churches is, well, people aren't being taught how to live or, you know, people aren't learning anything in church. Okay, I don't know where those folks are going to church, but every time we meet at Tui Christian Fellowship, we talk about the truth and we're discipling one another and we're being changed and we're fulfilling what Jesus said to do. He said for us to make disciples. Well, I'm a student I'm a follower that makes me a disciple. And as we talk about the things of God, we're being discipled. It's going to happen this Wednesday in Ground Zero. It's going to happen tonight as they do the the high school and college group tonight. It's going to happen in Power Kids. We're discipling the kindergartners, the first graders, the second graders, the third graders, right on up through high school and college, right in here this morning. It's happening every time that we meet. And you know what's happening? You're growing and you're changing. Listen, I don't know about you, but Jesus Christ has changed me. I'm changed. I'm changed. Now, I'm not done changing, I hope. There's more work to be done. But when I hear the Scripture and I'm in church, I'm changing and I'm growing. Now, here's what I want to do with the time that I have left. There's two things going on. Number one, we're gathered together this morning as the body of Christ. What's supposed to happen here? Well, we're supposed to love each other, encourage each other, pray for each other, beat the dents out of each other's armor. We're supposed to ask how you're doing. We're supposed to worship together. We're supposed to give. We're supposed to hear good preaching. That's all happening today. And hopefully, my heart is, is that you'll leave encouraged. All right, so what happens tomorrow? What happens Tuesday? What happens Wednesday? What happens Thursday? What happens Friday? What happens Saturday? See, two things are going on. We gather together publicly, then you're supposed to grow spiritually 
privately. All right? There's two, two ways. You with me? We're doing it together publicly, but then when you get home starting tomorrow, you can do some things to continue growing spiritually. And with the time that I have left, I'm going to show you some simple things that you can do, very practical this morning, that you can grow spiritually. Now, see, I don't know about you, but I want to grow spiritually. I want to continue to grow in my relationship with God. And I know you do too, or you wouldn't be here. Here's the first thing you can do. You need some silence in your life every day. What do you mean? You need some quiet space in your life. That means you turn off your cell phone, you turn off your emails, you turn off your computer, you turn off the television, you turn off the radio, and you take a few minutes each day. Now listen, it may be 10 minutes to start, it may be 5 minutes to start, but every one of you needs some silence in your life. It may be in the morning, it may be at lunch, it may be in the afternoon, it may be in the evening. I don't know when it is for you. Mine is in the morning. But you need some silence. Listen, we live in a noisy world, do we not? Yeah, we live in a noisy world. I know people who get up in the morning, and the first thing they do is turn on the news. And they get a good dose of fear, doubt, and unbelief before they start their day. And they hear all the bad things that are going to happen, all the bad things that have happened, and then they start their day. Listen, you don't want to do that. Listen, don't get up and start answering your emails first thing in the morning. Take a few minutes, if you have time in the morning, and have some quiet time. Have some silence in your life. Now, here's what I want you to understand. If you don't do it, it's going to be a challenge if you've never done it before. Okay, if you're used to constant noise all the time, you're going to have a hard time, and it's going to take some discipline. It's going to take a little bit of uh, ump, if you will, to start doing it. You may only need to do it for 10 minutes. Maybe you need to even set a timer for 10 minutes. And that may be the longest 10 minutes of your day. But listen to me. If you'll take some quiet time, you'll be amazed what it'll do to your heart spiritually. You turn off the background noise, and you know what'll happen? You'll begin to hear God. And you'll begin to hear Him speak to you and draw you. So everybody needs just a little bit of quiet time. Here's what else I can tell you from personal experience. The more you do it, the more you'll want it. Then 10 minutes won't be enough anymore. You'll need more than that. So get some quiet time. Here's the second thing you can do. Take in truth every day. Particularly, I'm talking about Scripture. Take in some truth every day. Now, back at Christmas, we sold the uh, devotional Jesus Calling. And many of you bought it. Okay, my encouragement to you this morning would be to have some form of devotional. Now, we sold that book, Jesus Calling, and it's a great devotional. I receive a couple of devotionals online. I receive one from a guy named Joseph Prince. I receive one from a guy named John Eldridge. There's hundreds of them. Let me give you a word of caution. You don't want to try to read five or six or seven devotionals a day. It's too much. If you can focus on one devotional a day, you may get it by email. You may get it from a book you have. But take in some truth every day single day. Get some scripture in your heart. It may be reading the Bible. It may be listening to a daily devotional. Listen, you can Google men's devotionals, and there's all kinds of devotionals out there. Listen, men, can I just say something to you? Your children and grandchildren need to catch you reading your Bible. They need to catch you reading your Bible. They need to see that you're doing it. Take in truth every day. Here's the next one. The next one is ask God to fill you with his life and love. When I'm driving to the office on the way to work, here's what I say. Jesus, thank you that you fill me today with your life and with your love. 
You see, I want my relationship with Jesus to be daily, to be current. And so I ask him every single day, Jesus, fill me today with your life and with your love. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your direction. It's that simple. All right, now, just stay with me here, okay? You get a little silence in your life. Take in some truth. Take in some scripture. And then ask Jesus to fill you with his life and with his love. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You will grow spiritually. You will grow stronger in your faith. You'll you'll grow closer to God. It can't help but happen. Here's the next one. The next one is to pray. Now, let me talk to two groups. Prayer is very simple. All prayer is is talking to God. Okay, and I would encourage you, if you're not comfortable with prayer, talk to God like a heavenly father because it's exactly what he is. He's your father, and he loves you, and he knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head or the lack thereof. He knows where you work. He knows what you're going through, and you can talk to him, and his ears are open to you. Okay, if you struggle with that a little bit, I have a simple thing that you also can do. Out on the red desk, remember at the beginning of the year, I gave out the uh, prophetic word from Chuck Pierce that was given at Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo, and he gave several things that were going to be happening this year, and I took some of the points, and I put them together, and I mailed every one of you a copy of this. Then I also encouraged you that if you wanted to, you could take this and make this a prayer, okay? And I just want to go through a couple of them and show you how I do it. And this is a great way to start. If you think, well, I don't know what I should pray, well, then you can get a copy of this at the Red Desk and you can pray. Here's the first. Here, let me read to you the first couple of points. We're established as a church. We're secure and strengthened in God's favor and blessing. That's point number one. Point number two, no striving. You don't have to struggle to get God's attention. He never takes his eyes off of you. All right. Now, if you were to pray that, all I do is personalize it, and let me show you how I do it. Father, I thank you that I'm in an established church, Tulia Christian Fellowship, and that I'm secure and I'm strengthened in your favor and in your blessing. Father, I also thank you that I don't have to strive. I don't have to try to struggle to get your attention, that you never take your eyes off of me. And you can pray down each one of these points. And you can take some time during the day, and you can take this, and you can pray it. Just something very simple you can do. Here's the next one. Listen to good music. Some of you just need to change the radio station. Yep. You just need to change the radio station. Listen, you can listen to K-Love. You can listen to Air One. You can get online and listen to Christian radio stations. Vicky and I listen to uh, K-Love on the way down to the coast some. And they play good music. They do scripture. And it's, in, it's incredible how powerful music is. Now, listen, I grew up in the 60s and 70s. And I can turn on the classic rock radio station, and they can hit one chord. And I know the name of the song, the name of the band, the name of the lead singer. And I have a picture in my mind of what the album cover looks like. Okay, when Vicky and I travel and get bored, I'll always turn on classic radio, and we play Name That Tune. All right, and as soon as the song comes on, you know, I'll say, Vicky, what's the name of that band? Well, she always either says the Doobie Brothers or ZZ Top, every, every, every song, okay? And then, and then I give her hints, okay? I give her hints, and then we play that game, and she figures out who it is. Listen, I know that music, that music has never gone away. It'll probably never go away. I mean, I can hear the first chord to LaGrange, and I know instantly what song it is. I know what the guy looks like playing it. I know where he lives. I know what kind of car he drives. I'm telling you. 
Right, I, I do, right. I mean, you know, when, uh, when Freebird comes on, the, the first chord, I know exactly what song it is. I know when they were killed, what plane they were in. I know where it crashed and what farmer's land it was on. I know, I know that stuff's all in my head. Why am I telling you this? Because music's powerful. Music is powerful. Every one of you can sing songs from when you were a teenager, and a song can play on the radio, and it'll take you back to where you were, doesn't it? It does it, yes. Then I can tell you songs that I've listened to. All right, music's powerful. If you listen to good music, it will grow you spiritually. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you can't listen to secular radio. I'm not saying that. Okay, I listen to secular radio. But let's be honest, folks. There are some things you don't need to be listening to on the radio. There just are. I mean, there's music on there that's bad. And it doesn't help you, and it doesn't grow you, and it doesn't strengthen you. In fact, it weakens you. So if you'll turn on Air One, if you'll turn on K-Love, if you'll put it on, uh, on your computer, that music will encourage you and it'll strengthen you. I got one more little thought to throw out at you and I don't want to scare you. Demons hate worship music. They hate it. And demons cannot hang around your house or where you are if you've got Christian music playing. They hate it. They hate it. Now, I don't want to scare you. Oh, my God, pastor's talking about demons. Okay, that's, that's for another message, okay? But I'm just telling you, you want the right atmosphere in your home, amen? All right, here's the next thing you can do. And, that, and this, this, I've talked about this before, and you may think this is a little different, but this is very powerful. Take in beauty. Take in beauty. What do you mean, Pastor. Well, when I was a kid growing up, we would always go to Red River for vacation. And anytime we were in the mountains, my dad would always say, I always feel closer to God when I'm in the mountains. And I would always think as a kid, what does he mean? And I would think, well, maybe it's because the altitude is higher. And so we're closer to heaven because we're higher. Okay, but that's not what he meant. What he meant was, was the beauty. Right, the beauty of the mountains, the beauty of the water, the smell of the pine trees. My dad felt closer to God because he was surrounded with beauty. Now, Vicki and I were just at the coast last week, and it's an amazing place. It's like no place I, I go because I'm not around that. And the ocean was beautiful, and we walked on the beach every day, and it was incredible and amazing. But there's just as much beauty here as there is there. When I drive down the end of my street, and I can look out onto that green wheat field, and I see the center pivot, and I see the cattle out there grazing, and the sun coming up in the east, if you'll take time to notice it, it's beautiful. So you don't have to go eight hours away to find beauty. A lot of times it's right under your nose. It may be something as simple as a bird drinking out of a bird bath in your backyard. It may be just your fresh cut lawn. But there's beauty all around you. Here's the thing. See, we don't see it. We don't see it. You don't notice it. You're so busy marching through your day. You're so busy being hard-hearted and cynical that you don't notice the beauty around you. But it's everywhere. And here's the thing. It's from God. Okay, the Bible says in James, every good and perfect gift is from above. The beauty in your life is from God. It may be a grandchild. It may be a child. I mean, we could make a list of 100 things. But what I want you to do is recognize that God wants to feed your soul with beauty. And don't think all oh, that's stupid or it doesn't matter. Or, I, don't, I don't care about that because you'll be missing out on something God wants to do in your life. Now, here's what I want you to see this morning. This is all very simple and very practical. Now, let me just read them to you one more time, and then I'm going to make one closing comment. <clears throat> What's happened this morning? Well, 
We're being discipled, we're being taught how to live, and we're experiencing life change. Then how do I do it when I get home? Well, I have some silence in my life. I take in some truth every day by Scripture. I ask God to fill me with his life and love. I pray a little bit. I listen to good music. I drink in beauty. Now, here's the thing. If you've never done any of this before in the beginning, it's going to take some discipline. Now, I don't believe Christianity is based on discipline. Okay? Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, God's grace and supernatural love carry me. It's not me gutting it out and gritting my teeth and making it happen. I don't like that. And, I don't, and it won't get you anywhere because you can't do it for very long. You can't gut it out for very long. But if you've never done this before, you may have to start out disciplining yourself. In other words, I'm going to get up 15 minutes early. No matter how much my flesh is screaming, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a little time and I'm going to have a little quiet time and I'm going to take in some truth. Or maybe at night before you go to bed, you may have to turn off the TV 15 minutes early. Now, I know the rerun that you've watched 17 times. You need to see the end of it to find out what happened. But you might have to have the discipline to turn it off and say, hey, I'm going to take a few minutes and have a little quiet time. Or maybe at lunchtime, you may get away and get in your car or your truck, but it may take some discipline to start. But here's what I want you to know. Once you start doing this, you'll see results in your life. You'll grow closer to God. Your relationship with God will feel more alive, more real, and then pretty soon, it's just like anything else, you won't be able to do without it. You'll want to do it. You'll, I miss it when I don't do it. If I have a time where I can't have my quiet time, I miss it because I'm so used to it and I so want it in my life. And I go through my routine of what I do. So I want to encourage you this morning. All right, read with me Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Take some time in May, June, July, and August and grow spiritually and do some of these things in your daily walk with God and it'll help you. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's close in prayer.